Hello and welcome to The Dirt, in association with Envy. We're the podcast that understands that perfect plots come in many different shapes, sizes and levels of maintenance. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Laura's glamorous assistant, Blake. We'll be discussing the latest headlines from the world of horticulture later in the show. But first, we're joined by Robin and Paul, who go by the name Two Dirty Boys, which feels rather appropriate. So welcome to the dirt, guys. Hi. How are you doing? How how has your allotment been? How's your gardens? Oh, well, you know, the allotment, uh, it's it's looking good, but I can't say it is as good as it was last year with all of that beautiful sunshine and all of the extra time that we had. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit sad about uh, where we are this year, but. Yeah, I feel like that as well. I've I've got photos from last year, so I've got them time stamped and I know exactly like what the garden was looking like at that point. And this year is just no comparison, which is a shame, but. Hopefully some nice weather will bring all of the plants on a bit. It's beautifully sunny today at the allotment. Yeah, we're hoping hoping uh, June's going to be a cracker. Yes, fingers crossed. Everything needs to get a bit of growth on and catch up, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. We've actually had some really exciting news at the allotment because um, you know, Robin and I uh, have been working that plot for three years now. And Robin was on a waiting list for like eight years, something like that, to get it. Um, but, you know, we've put our heart and soul into, um, you know, bringing it to life. It was full of brambles. It was in a terrible state. Um, but we've just found out that we're actually going to be moving plots. So it's big news. <laughs> it's big news, but it's daunting news because we're, as Paul says, we've worked on the plot. <laughs> kind of backbreaking work for three years. And now, I was gonna say, <laughs> and now we're going straight back to square one because the plot we've inherited <laughs> is like a jungle. Um, so it's like you're looking at it and going, oh my God, but it's really exciting. Um, is there anything that you've kind of found and learned the first time around that you're going to implement from the off? So much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think the f- thing I've learned is there's no point in kind of um, half doing like the groundwork side of the job. Like you've got to do them properly because it's so hard to like do all these things after the event. Do it properly first time around and then you don't have to do it again. <laughs> I think the problem with like when something is a labor of love, you know, you're driven by your excitement to do something new. And I think both Robin and I were quite impulsive. So, you know, if we walk around a garden center, we'll buy like one of everything. And (laughs) we ended up with a kind of huge jungle of all different types of soft fruit and vegetables and not a lot of any one thing, just lots of different things all doing their thing. And I feel like this move and a bit of a refresh means we can plan things properly and actually decide to grow things that are suitable for our plot and things that we like to eat because there's really no point having thousands of turnips if you hate them. (laughs) You're right though when you're at the garden center there is something about being there that just makes you forget everything about you know any (laughs) kind of sensible approach to anything just because you're so overwhelmed by how much there is there. It's like being in a candy store you're like woo this is amazing I want (laughs) it it all. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think there's anything wrong with that that's a really good way to find out what we do like isn't it to try a little bit of everything (laughs) and so we would like to ask you if you'd be able to tell us about some of your biggest successes since you've been growing your own I think one of the biggest surprises and successes came in the form of a dwarf peach tree which Mm -hmm. we weren't sure whether that was going to work well in the UK you know we're not really famous for growing peaches Um, and Robin whacked this thing in the ground and we just let it do its thing and it rewarded with us uh, rewarded us with 
probably 20 delicious, juicy, perfect peaches. Wow. It really was an easy thing to do. So highly recommend it. I think it was probably the peachiest peach I've ever eaten. <laughs> um, it was, uh, it's, you know, you kind of, you, you, people always say, oh, you know, it's it's so nice because it's tree ripened. Um, but it really did make a difference. And then we were so excited for the next year. Um, and then we had leaf curl and the whole crop failed last year. Yeah. Yeah. Disaster. So then last, um, autumn I built, um, we built a, uh, like a water cover, like a little, a little house over the, over the peach tree, um, which kept it dry over the winter. Cause apparently that's the problem that the water gets into the little, um, buds in the spring and, um, cause this kind of fungus to grow. Um, so this year, I was like, this is never going to work. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Building a little house for a peach tree is like another <laughs> level of Marie Antoinette that I don't need to get into. Um, and then amazingly, it's it's incredible. We've got a whole nother bunch, a bumper crop of peaches forming. All the leaves are perfect. So it really does work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing. And as you say, that's, I mean, obviously... Um, any any crops that you grow and get get good harvests of it's really satisfying but with something like peaches where you probably go into it without a huge amount of expectation the first time it must feel even more sort of magical that it's happened really doesn't it totally anything a little bit tropical or you know mediterranean uh, that you don't expect to um flourish here is always such a treat so aubergines last year we 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 only planted i think we planted like six little aubergine uh you you know like plugs that we uh purchased um and each of those must have produced 15 beautiful uh you know really gorgeous aubergines so we had those coming out of our ears um, and it's great when you get loads of one thing because you can give them away. You know, it, it's always nice when you can like surprise your neighbours with some extra veg and actually be proud of it rather than giving them like twisted, ugly, pornographic looking carrots. So, <laughs> no, it really works out well. I think especially when um, the said veg is something slightly less uh, common as well. If it's a more than unusual courgettes, thing that they say. haven't grown themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Nobody wants like the a, dreaded another <laughs> basket of courgettes. All of the yeah. neighbours are closing their curtains as they see you coming up the path with another basket <laughs> of courgettes. <laughs> Though you say that, and I planted out some courgette plants and I, and I think the fox has knocked a load of them over. So I might be in need of some this year, which is just so embarrassing. <laughs> you know why though, Blake? I think the fox got wind of the fact that you were trying to get rid of loads and the fox has thought, <laughs> Do you know what? We'll just we'll just put out. paid to this straight away. <laughs> Babes, it was your neighbours. <laughs> yes. yeah, they were like, no more, please. <laughs> um, so having a look at the other side of the coin from the brilliant successes, would you be able to tell us about any plot failures, things that haven't gone quite so well, or any sort of funny little accidents and things that might have happened on the plot? Y- yes, I. Well, I'm going to start this one because I think um, this is uh, the the sort of darkest um, part of Paul and I's uh, relationship on the plot <laughs> was um, you know Tomato Gate, um, where we've had we've had ver- we've had various failures um in the tomato um polytunnel and every year we argue about who's responsible for it (laughs) (laughs) um because i'm adamant that we don't cut out the um, side shoots enough and Paul's adamant that we don't water them enough um but either way we can never seem to get a good crop of tomatoes oh, no. 
so yeah, I think that's probably our uh, the con. We're learning. We're learning. I think is this still ongoing? Was... Have you, you still haven't got to the point of <laughs> no? We still haven't cracked yet. it. Yeah. I mean, they come, but they come so late. You know, they just all appeared in like September as it was going cold, and then yeah. Um, so there, you know, there was a real uh, a bumper crop of green tomatoes if, you, if you're into that. But yeah, they just yeah. didn't get there in time. <laughs> So did you find yourself getting a bit more creative in the kitchen with the green tomatoes? Have you got a whole a whole sort of folder of recipes now that you can use for those? <laughs> well, I tried some pickling, um, but I think the best thing really was, you know, we got, uh, there was suddenly cold weather last year. And, you know, we did have loads of um, uh, ripe tomatoes too at that time, but too many at once, you know, they all came right at the end. So um, I played around with some sun-dried tomatoes last year and it was absolutely delicious it blew my mind and I, I i baked them in the oven rather than sun-dried them um <laughs> because we don't have any sunshine in this country um but baked them in the oven for I, I if i remember something like 20 hours really really low and they shrunk up to be these absolutely delicious fruity salty tasty uh, little lumps of goodness and, and they lasted right through to christmas oh amazing before they were all eaten yeah, and they're the sort of thing that makes nice, they make nice gifts for people as well, don't they? Totally. As long as they haven't gone mouldy, that's my problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then it turns the one... from a gift into a threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've been trying to look into, with the, as Paul says, like, you, you tend to get the gluts. Um, you know, if a, if a crop does go well, then you end up with hundreds of them. We made, um, with the peaches, we made a, um, like a kirsch last year. Kirsch, Kirsch, is that what you say? Yeah, it was like a, um, like a schnapps almost. A schnapps, a schnapps, yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Um, where we infused um, the peach flavour. Uh, and that was, that, was, that was really delicious. So we had a little, uh, a little tod of that each morning when we were down at the allotment, you know, to kind of um, fortify us for the day. Um, but also, the, the other other things, we, you know, we we try to, you, you, you have to be quite creative with, like you say, pickles for tomatoes, um, I've I've done some like lacto ferments with um, blueberries and things, um, just to try and like stretch them out a bit longer, so you're not you're not you know just freezing them or or chucking them out because they've gone off. Um, but you kind of have to you know take on all the skills of the kitchen as well to try and you know draw out the draw out the crops for a bit longer. Do you know what last year uh, one of the uh, when you know we started with the infusing fruits into vodkas or whatever and then it led us into actually brewing our own wine or uh homemade wine from things that we could find on the allotment so we're so lucky that it was surrounded with elderflower um so we made some nice elderflower wine and then we made some nettle wine which was really tasty actually really good and came out like a like a dry white wine um and then we went on to just buying things in supermarkets to make other wines <laughs> so we made ginger <laughs> wine we made banana wine um what else a rhubarb oh, we've got a fantastic rhubarb plot so we did a we did a rhubarb wine and again that one was like a lovely dry white wine um it wasn't as pink as it should have been but um did that you, was probably um, the tastiest of all did you have a standout favorite was that was that the rhubarb one would you say for me it was the nettle one because it was the first one and i just I, when it when it happened and you know it only takes a couple of weeks for it to reach that the right level of alcohol um, and it's bubbling away in your house like a living animal and i was just absolutely blown away at the process and that for thousands of years people have been doing this you know all you need is the yeast and then the sugar and the fruit and it did its business and i just 
I'm still in awe of it now. So yeah, it's, it was the first time you discover these things. It's always a magical moment. And did it taste me. anything like nettles, like nettle tea, or was it? It tasted a little bit like you know. There's a sort of greenness to mint. You know, there's <laughs> a uh, that sort of fresh leafiness. So it tasted like a uh, like a leafy white wine. Oh, very nice. And it's sort of lovely there that um, a hobby of growing your own has led into another hobby of brewing your own brewing is it called brewing when it's wine or is that just beer i don't know <laughs> making your own fermenting <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're just coming up to elderflower season again so we're excited to make try i think we're going to try some elderflower champagne this year oh Amazing. nice right trip to east london i think yeah mm. oh yeah come down the pot you're always welcome there'll always be a, co- a chilled glass ready for you <laughs> i hear that apparently the uh the elderflower champagne does have the tendency to explode while it's uh while it's going doesn't it so <laughs> you have to keep us posted on how that goes if you manage to get through with to... any unshattered bottle <laughs> you have to burp the bottles yes otherwise you get uh huge explosion even even the plastic bottles if you don't burp them and you open them the whole contents of the bottle will just like shoot out in a spray of champagne like you just won the f1 <laughs> <laughs> um so our next question is normally about whether you've got any hacks or shortcuts and obviously you've got a book that's come out called regrown and that is just packed with loads of hacks and shortcuts to regrowing veg on from like supermarket produce and that kind of thing so would you like to explain a little bit more about that sure so um last year uh, you know obviously everybody was indoors an awful lot more and um we uh kind of got into uh the idea of growing things on your windowsill and you know we're not the people first people to invent the idea of uh regrowing from kitchen cuttings and scraps um there's a you know there's a lot out there but we thought we're going to give this a go so we grew dozens of things from you know like carrots or uh, fennel, leeks, coriander, uh, avocado stones, pineapples. We just anything we could think of that we could come across in, in the supermarket. Um, we tried regrowing it, and sometimes that's for the leaves. So you know, with something like beetroot or carrot, you're regrowing it for the leafy bit above. Um, but sometimes it's a bit more um, exciting and difficult. Uh, we tried uh, our hand at regrowing mushrooms, for example, from the spores. So some things were really difficult and some things we had to do three or four times before they came through. Um, and then other things like spring onions. It's so simple. The idea that we've been chucking out the bottoms of spring onions all our life when you can just regrow them within a couple of weeks, it's really daft. So you know, that's something that's a, a life hack Mm. It is a life hack. I mean, spring onions grow back so quickly. You could basically plant them in the morning. And you can almost you can almost harvest them the same day. Not yeah. maybe not quite that, but you know, within a couple of days. <laughs> Still want to missell that? Uh, yeah, you, it's uh, quite staggering. You're like, wow. Um, but I think it's also a part of that. Um, you know, Paul and I with the allotment, we've definitely been. Let's just give it a go uh, and see what happens. And I think regrowing things from regrowing things from kitchen scraps. I mean, the worst that happens is it goes back in the bin where it would have gone anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you get a success, then you can have everything from you know a salad, um, a garnish, or a ornamental avocado mm. tree. I was going to ask that because um, do you feel like because most of the things when you're regrowing them as you say you're kind of doing it as an experiment you know test it out see what happens learn along the way so uh, what which of the projects do you think are kind of the most productive um you mentioned spring onions but were there any others where you're like you really get a good amount back from doing this 
beetroot tops are just absolutely brilliant. You know, you get um, a, a, a product there, a harvest that you can either use fresh to have in a salad, which is fantastic. And if you've got friends over and, you know, you just pop over to the windowsill and harvest your beetroot leaves for the summer salad, that's great. But you can also use that in the winter too, because you can treat it like a spinach and um, have it with heartier foods. So, the, you know, you do get a, a really uh, large amount and um, something that when, obviously when we were preparing for the book, we had a set day for a photo shoot and it was a case of, you know, we need everything to look perfect on this day. So the house was just absolutely overwhelmed with all sorts of things. <laughs> <I> <laughs> bet it was quite stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it was so stressful. And, you know, like one something we stand by is that you should change the water in things really frequently every day if you can. Um, and I'd get up in the morning and I had a, I had a slip disc at the time I was in loads of pain I was taking all this tramadol and all this and I'd be wandering or hobbling around my flat emptying all this water into buckets thinking what am I doing like what is my life about <laughs> but um, to the point if you can sort of um, pick something that you like and invest in it a little bit more say like beetroot tops and instead of growing a couple of them you know grow 20 at one time and keep uh, replenishing them um, you do actually end up with um, a, a good enough amount and you know there's always something ripening so you know you can do those in uh, like big plastic trays rather than in glasses so um no th there is a way of doing it if you've got the space to actually um you know reap a proper crop also the strange thing is you can't get beetroot leaves beetroot greens uh or carrot greens oh, you can't get carrot greens but in general generally when you're buying your veg in the, in the supermarket you don't get the, a salad bag full of beetroot leaves um so you can grow something that you can't readily get mm. um, available at the supermarket. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think something that you sort of loosely touched on there with, um, I think sometimes projects can feel a little bit overwhelming to people if they think they haven't got all the right kit for it. But you mentioned sort of putting things in in a glass with water and stuff. I guess most people have the bare essentials for getting getting started with regrowing stuff just naturally around their house, don't they? That's it. That's what's so much fun. But anybody listening now, you could probably go to your fridge, open the door and start growing something from inside it. And I just think that that is such an exciting thing that we're you know, I think it's been a kind of a shift in the way I see supermarkets, really, because you walk into the fruit and veg aisle in the supermarket, you know, you see carrots and apples and all, you know, all, all this stuff around you, but you don't really think of them as living plants. You don't think of them as things you could go home and put in the soil. And once I started seeing that differently, I don't know, it's just kind of been a, a big connection moment in my head that, of course, I always knew they were living things, but I don't think of them as kind of, um, you know, ready to, you know, to feed you for weeks or months to come. Um, so all of this happening during the backdrop of the pandemic in this sort of terrible time of, uh, I don't know, it was a real it was a real shift in my head as to how I see um, fruit and veg. Yeah. yeah, I think as well, these sort of projects can really spark. Like we've often talked on the on the podcast about that um, enthusiasm, you know, the sort of childlike enthusiasm that often you don't have for many things when you're an adult and growing your own can give you that and I think sometimes things like this where there's the experimental angle and you're not quite sure of what the outcome is going to be but you're going to give it a go anyway they can be some of the most exciting things you can do can't they <laughs> totally and you know like something that we did that uh, sort of went wrong and but delivered in a different way is I left a load of uh, leaks 
so sorry, went to regrow leeks and, you know, I picked the best one out and planted it up so that we could do it for the photo shoot, etc. And the others are just left in the, uh, in, a, in a vase of water and they grew and grew and then they started to bolt, you know, they started to flower. And I thought, well, I'll just leave them and just see what happens. And they made the most beautiful display. So it's probably just six leeks and they ended up being a few foot tall with these great, big, beautiful allium that's incredible flowers ended up with this accidental bouquet exactly that's exactly (laughs) it so when the photographer came you know she said like can can we photograph this too so it's there in the book and it really does look stunning I mean I don't know how many people will go ahead and do it but if you've got kids and you want to just remind them that you know everything is you know going to turn into flower in the end it reminds you that these are you know reproductive um I was going to say organs, but that's that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's his wedding bouquet sorted as well. <laughs> um, so we've sort of touched um, touched loosely on some some lessons learned throughout this chat. But if you could both, um, if you both have one sort of big takeaway from your lives in growing so far, what would you say have been the biggest lessons that you've learned? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, I'd say, I'd say for us, it's definitely been to give it a go. We've had some, we've had some old packets of seeds that have looked like, you know, mice have been at them and the rain's been at them and they've been at the bottom of a drawer in the shed for, well, goodness knows how long they've been in there. We don't know what they are. Um, and we just, you know, pop them in the ground. Don't, don't overthink it. Just see what, and see what comes from it. (laughs) (laughs) We've had beetroot and carrots and all sorts come you know in in, in, we have a little experimental corner where we stick these things and just see what they turn into (laughs) um so it's just just a have a go I think have a go and see what comes of it um you know it's, it's kind of all the whole thing's about experimentation seeing what works um seeing what works in different different parts of our plot we've noticed um for some reason some things grow better in some parts than others um where the soil's slightly different or it drains differently um so it's kind of yeah just constantly experimenting and trying out and just see what works and then the next year you can kind of improve on that as part of that too i think uh at the beginning we were constantly comparing what we were doing to everyone else's you know it's just the internet now is full of these uh you know people who are so great at what they do the bloggers and they are sharing all of these fantastic uh, you know successes all of the time yeah. and I think at the beginning we were comparing ourselves constantly and as soon as we sort of just thought well you know what, let's just chuck it in the ground and see what happens and we started to enjoy that experimental process things really started happening for us and it's more to do with failure than it is success people love that they love yeah. to talk about what went wrong and uh, yeah we love that too yeah, I think it's definitely the kind of the beautiful vegetable social media, <laughs> you know, the airbrushed carrots or the you know, <laughs> oversized aubergines. Um, you, you, Paul's right, you know, that there's definitely, a, a, there's a kind of, I guess there's a bit of a shame that people feel like if, if they've messed up a, a crop or something, but to us, that's like, that's absolutely the joy of it. Um, mm. You know, yeah, okay, we argued about the tomatoes that one time, but you know, <laughs> generally, <laughs> generally, generally, we you know kind of just enjoy the the successes and the failures. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I mean, as we always say, you learn you you know you learn a lot more from the things that don't go quite so well, and also the fact that everything's so changeable every year anyway. I mean, 
you'll have different weather conditions, you'll have seasons moving out of whack, you'll have you know a year where perhaps you're even busier than you were the year before and have less time to give it. So I think the the successes and the failures aren't necessarily consistent every year and there's something kind of kind of fun about that absolutely i think there's this there's, there's, there's this funny kind of trope that's repeated that you know wait until three weeks after the last frost well unless you're like thomas schaffernacker uh you don't know when the last frost is because there, there can always be a next one so if you follow the rule and you don't have a greenhouse or a heaty polytunnel then you're gonna miss like the beginning of your season because you have to wait until you're guaranteed that there's not gonna be another frost um so i'm like well let's just bung them in uh, we'll grow we'll grow extras in case there is a frost but let's just let's just bung them in and let's just try it and if there isn't another frost then we've got an extra couple of weeks growing time especially in England the growing season is quite short um you can you can waste I mean this this year is a really good example of how the spring is so late if you you wait around and you you know you're, you're being really cautious about it then you miss you know it's going to be the autumn chunk. and you're going to yeah. have nothing to yeah. show <laughs> and you'll be back with us with a handful of green tomatoes again <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and um, good luck with the book. If anybody wants to get it, it's called Regrown and it's out now, isn't it? So um, definitely go and take a read of that. Thank you so much for having us. It's been yeah, fun. Really good fun. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Yeah, it's been so fun. Thank you so much. And we'll um, we'll let you get back to your, back to your garden now. Um, and Blake, shall we go and talk about Envy? Envy is a family-run, environmentally conscious business based in Derbyshire, supplying high-quality, high-concentrated garden solutions straight to your home. Their award-winning range consists of organic fertilisers, soil conditioners and pest control products, as well as some truly unique products that encourage earthworms in soil and improve the quality of shop-bought compost. Envy believes small packages can lead to big possibilities. By using packets where possible to hold their premium ingredients, they're able to reduce their packaging by an astonishing 96% on average. The MV range is available to buy from their easy-to-use website where they offer free UK mainland delivery on every order. The website contains lots of useful growing guides and gardening content for both amateur and experienced gardeners alike. Their knowledgeable customer services team are available to offer help and advice. Go green with Envy at envy.co.uk. That's envii.co.uk. I've been reading about this hilarious new craze and trend that is going around, which has been termed cardening. Have you heard of it? Cardening. It's not gardening in a cardigan. It's (laughs) gardening in your car. Right. So uh, with yeah, limited space and works. stuff, which we've spoken about a bit recently, lots of people are actually putting plants inside their cars now. As in, uh, in guess, soil? As a way of like... In their cars. Yep. So either having like a little plant pot in their boot or on the dashboard or um, lots of people are doing uh, using um, cacti and having those on the dashboard because obviously they like lots of sun and heat and stuff and don't mm. need watering quite so much. So um, perhaps something that makes a good, good option there, but yeah. adding a bit of greenery to the, um, to their cars. So I wonder hold what you on. thought about that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. A car is basically a mobile greenhouse. 
it is. I, w- I will confess <laughs> You're onto something that, it's, here. <laughs> that it's probably not a great idea to have your big old bushy tomato plants in front of your eyes when you're trying to yeah, see Yeah, they the do say that in the article that, yeah. Maybe that, like, you the just insurance take out company your back might not seats. be too happy. Yeah, take out the back seats though, slam in some <laughs> grow bags. Bingo. That's true. The passenger footwell. Yeah. Maybe that's not what no. the actual story meant. Yeah. <laughs> Maximizing space. Uh, they yeah. do say if you have got uh, some cacti in the front, then it might not be great for if the airbag ever needs to come. Oh out. no! Oh my um, goodness! Do some damage there. But and also imagine if it like if you had to put the brakes on quickly mm. or something and it flew off into your face. So yeah, I'm not sure quite how practical it is. Maybe it's just one of those funny well, online trends mm. that will disappear. No, I think this months, can go further. Um, I think if you do make it an edible greenhouse, then there's an argument for it actually being really, really sensible because imagine you break down, you're there, you've got to wait hours for the tow <laughs> truck to come and get you. Got some, you've got snacks. Got a little snack whilst yeah. you wait. You yeah, or if you're stuck in traffic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, don't I think... and drive, but. <laughs> I think the solution is an orchard in a trailer. Yes. That you tow along you just, behind. Yeah, you tow along <laughs> behind you the whole time. Yeah, or that would actually be a good solution for people that don't like going on holiday because they have to leave their allotments. Just bang your allotment mm. in the trailer and off you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone gets holiday. Perfect. Um, yeah, I thought this was kind of fun. And as much as it's a bit of a joke, I think the idea of maybe having one small plant in your car is quite nice if you fixed it down firmly and stuff. Yeah, um, definitely. So I'm considering it. Well, also, don't they say that plants make you feel more relaxed and everything? So mm-hmm. surely being relaxed. Sometimes in a driving, I need that when I'm driving. Yeah, like you're in a situation that would normally be like a bit of a road rage situation, but you look at your little plant and you think, no, I'm going to breathe. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. But we accept yeah. no responsibility for people injured by cactuses in any car crashes. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Caveat with that. <laughs> I suppose that's that's the flip side of the coin. You then have a like sharp thing in your car that if someone's annoying <laughs> you, you can just sling it out the window. Um. Anyway. <laughs> um. I mean, speaking of. I guess that's a sort of debate. I mean, you know, you said I like a tenuous link, Blake. Um. I saw something on the Express website about um, Dermot Gavin and Pippa Greenwood on Good Morning Britain talking about um, mowing lawns and gardens. Oh, yeah, it's quite topical, isn't it? Yeah, Dermot Gavin was saying that homeowners should take a step back and basically let your garden do its thing. He was quoted here as saying, gardening is a bit like 1950s housework. Everything is expected to be neat and tidy, but gardens aren't like that. We're not the only ones who should benefit from the spaces. Um, Pippa's argument, however, is that gardens are good for wildlife anyway. Um, And she said gardening is beneficial to the environment and wildlife. So she said, I think you've got to remember that if you have a hobby, there isn't really anything that's better for the environment than gardening, whether it's a totally manicured, whether it's in a totally manicured way or whether you let it all run wild, it's still fantastically good for wildlife. So I think this thing about banning lawns is totally ridiculous. Um, So having a range of plants is good for wildlife, but you can still have a range of plants without letting your Mm -hmm. grass run wild. Um, 
So what do you both think? What do you like to see? Do you like to see a lawn or do you like to see a wild area? In theory, I really like a wild lawn. I think it looks really pretty, but in practice, I can absolutely see that it isn't always the most practical option. Like as soon as it starts getting longer, it's really hard to walk around and, um, and I don't really think it looks untidy necessarily. Like if that's what you're committed to and you want to have mm. a nice wildflower garden, go for it. Like it, it looks nice, but I think on, from a practical point of view, it isn't always um, the most sensible option. Yeah, I think mm. a bit what of about both. You, George? Surely a bit of both. The compromise, we've seen some good gardens, haven't we, recently where people have been talking about this, letting, like you mm. say, small areas go wild. And I think that's the compromise, isn't it? And you still want to be able to, like you say, Blake, get through it easily and, and you know, get round and see your whole garden easily without uh, getting a machete out. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Laura? Um, I agree with both of you. I think a bit of balance is nice. Um, like for example as I've mentioned on here before I've got a relatively small terraced house garden mm-hmm. um, so the idea of the whole thing being wild would be a little bit restrictive in terms of things like having a place to sit out there and have barbecues and things like that and also having space in which to grow various things mm-hmm. um, but we actually have a little bit of unused um, a little bit of unused space that we've seeded with some wildflowers and stuff so that hopefully we'll be able to that strike do its a nice thing. balance. Yeah, I think that's yeah. good. And I do think, I know a lot of people really love a super short lawn and they go out and mow their lawn like once a week, every single weekend like across the summer and stuff. But for me, I think having a lawn that isn't quite so brutally mm. short actually looks yeah. a bit better. don't mm. know whether you yeah. Um, I'm not going to try for a tenuous link into my story. I'm sorry, but <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, recently, RHS Bridgewater opened in Salford, and I think it's just worth us uh, having having a look at that, really, oh, yes. and reminding people. So it was after a ten month delay because, and you might have heard about this. Uh, there's been a global pandemic. So oh, yeah, that was a moment. Yeah, yeah. So ten month delay, but it's open now. Uh, all in all, it's taken six years and thirty five million pounds uh, to turn. Yes, yeah, one hundred and fifty four acres, um, and yeah, it's turned into an amazing garden with this uh, impressive wooden structure at the heart of it, and a lot of different sort of areas. Uh, Carol Klein opened it. Um, and apparently it's the first new RHS garden in 17 years and the first ever in an urban location. Oh, amazing. Wow. It looks yeah. great. Can't really, wait really cool. to see it. Like, can't mm. wait to actually get there and have a have a look around, have a bit of a nose. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's really exciting and it's Definitely. great to see another RHS, an RHS garden as well. Mm. And the RHS were particularly happy um, because of the timing of it. They just thought it was a, a nice, you know, everyone's, we're coming out of lockdown and it almost, um, for some people, it's a bit of a pick-me-up to have yeah. this this new thing, you know, especially for people local to Salford. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Um, although, if you're not local to Salford, or even if you are, but you can't get there quite yet, we have somewhere that people can visit as well, don't we? We do. There I go with my links again. Um, the Grow Show, which is now open and in full swing, um, 
If you go to the website, growfruitsandveg.co.uk forward slash grow show, you will find some brilliant expert videos, downloadable growing guides and interesting pieces, um, loads of different stands showing some brilliant products from, uh, from various horticulture brands. And yes, there is more. Um, there's the Grow Show Awards this year, which is a photograph awards competition on social media um, where we basically want to see your pets in the garden, beautiful flowers, rude looking vegetables, tidy sheds, and you can win some prizes if you send some in. So yeah. Mm. Kim's piece is really good. Kim's video, and you highlighted the videos there, That uh, her video about turning brassicas uh, perennial, I, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and there's a few more to come, I believe, isn't there, from Kim later on in the yes, show? Yes, yeah, we'll be uploading more videos throughout and more downloadable guides. So keep your eyes on it and don't forget to send in some pictures. So if we head over back over to the show now, we'll leave you to share some jobs on the plot, Laura. Okie dokes. Continue making sowings of salad crops this week to give you supplies right through summer. Lettuce, radish and pak choy are all great choices for successional sowing. Now we're past the crucial late frost window, you can get sowing beans, French runner and broad outdoors, as well as squash, sweet corn and any outdoor cucumbers you're planning on growing. Speaking of beans, you'll need to offer supports to your plants, so make sure you're prepared with bamboo canes and twine and get creative. We'd love to see any support frames you've made for your plants, so do send us pictures on social media. Keep an eye on your tomato and potato crops for any signs of the dreaded blight and act fast if you do see any. Brown patches on stems and leaves and also patches on tomato fruits are warning signs. Unfortunately, affected plants should be destroyed to prevent spread. Always make sure your plants are adequately spaced as good ventilation helps to avoid the disease. You can also buy blight resistant types of tomatoes if your area is prone to outbreaks. In the fruit garden, good maintenance helps to keep things running smoothly. Pull off suckers that appear around the base of your trees, thin your pears, peaches and plums and give your currants and gooseberries a good summer prune. We hope you have a great week on the plot and until next time, happy growing. Thank you for listening to The Dirt in association with Envy. You can find an amazing range of high quality organic feeds, fertilisers and pest control products at envy.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode of The Dirt. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to tell all your lovely garden and allotment neighbours where to find us. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 Seven triple zero, and quote GPod seven to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just twenty nine ninety nine. That's eleven ninety four off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds 
so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And on a final exciting note, we're on the hunt for podcast guests and the next one could be you or someone you know. If you, a friend or a family member, has some great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters they'd like to share, let us know by emailing thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk.